We all know that a vast majority of charitable giving from individuals happens in the final two months of the calendar year. Well, what do we do at the start of the new calendar year? That's what we're going to talk about today on this first day from the Fundraising School. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich, joined today by Dr. Tim Seiler, the longtime director of the Fundraising School, who now is the Rosso Fellow of Philanthropic Fundraising at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. And Tim, thanks so much for being back with us on this Fundraising School podcast. You know, that happens. In fact, some of our fundraiser colleagues, they're there on New Year's Eve. Those final gifts are coming in. They want to make sure they're recorded properly and stewarded properly. And then January comes along and February comes along and, you know, giving can kind of slow down. What is your advice for fundraisers at the start of the calendar year? Well, if their uh, fiscal year matches the calendar year, my advice always is to recognize that a year is 12 months, mm -hmm. okay? And uh, I know the data on, as you quoted, the data on the majority of giving in the last two months of the year, and there are perfectly compelling reasons for that. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the reasons that there, so much of the giving occurs in those last two months is that's when the majority of the asking goes on. So it should follow that the giving will follow the asking. Although I know from a donor's perspective, there are probably some economic considerations that come into those decisions. Uh, and that is end of the year. And if we're still in a situation where we have uh, the, the uh, benefit of tax deductibility of our charitable gifts, we may be thinking about tax benefits mm -hmm. towards the end of the year, particularly for those who, who will still be itemizers. So I understand that. Uh, and that could be uh, what motivates a lot of the giving as well. And then I don't think we can, can avoid or ignore the fact that the last two, the year, two months of the year are filled with holidays. Right. And the holiday spirit tends to increase our philanthropic spirit in a lot of instances. So you put all those things together, it makes sense that the last two months will be robust year, uh, months for fundraising. But um, a year is in fact 12 months. Mm -hmm. And my, my view always is the following. If you have a full 12 months to fund your program, take advantage of all 12 of those months. Think about getting a good start in your year so that when you do come to the last two months, you're at 70 or 80% of your gift income, not 10 or 20% of your gift income. What if you are at only 10 or 20% or 50%? in those last two months and then you really ramp up for November and December and then December 31st rolls around, you still haven't reached your goal. Okay, you're underwater now with your funding for that year. But reverse that, that process and really do some robust fundraising early in the year, uh, build some momentum, get some sense that, hey, this is really doable, we can make this goal, and then communicate that with donors who have not yet given. Let them know we're on a good path here. This campaign's likely to succeed. Uh, we hope you'll be part of it. And then even if they wait until the last two months, they're now getting on board what looks like a successful train. And they don't, they're not saving an organization from uh, not being able to reach its goal, but they're adding to an already successful campaign. So I think uh, take advantage of the entire year. Think about some times of the year that that might be particularly appealing and maybe think to your donors and maybe think in terms of what is it special about my organization and are there seasonal uh, advantages to the spring of the year or mm -hmm. the summer of the year depending upon what the organization is. I've often suggested to educational institutions for example that the start of the school year might be a good time to uh, invite your donors to give because 
you know, despite what last year might have been in the educational situation, almost everybody wakes up at the beginning of this new school yeah. year with some excitement. I'm going to do better this year, okay? Or it's a new year and I'm mm -hmm. going to have certain, a certain teacher. I know I'm going to have this teacher. Um, or I'm, you know, I haven't a chance to improve my, my grade point average, mm -hmm. whatever it might be, there's some excitement. And even from a parent's perspective, I think, and grandparents' perspective, going back to school, there's still that sense of, okay, we got, you know, we can buy some new clothes, mm -hmm. we, get mm -hmm. new, we get new supplies, there's a sense of excitement. You open a new book or workbook right. or textbook. Uh, and so let's, let's think about that in an educational environment, beginning of the school year. Then I would say similarly, probably the end of the school year might be another time to think about. Uh, from an educational perspective and from other human services types of organizations. Now, again, I understand human services organizations often can benefit from the November, December mm -hmm. time frame mm -hmm. because of that, that appeal and that sense of sympathy with um, those who might not be so fortunate uh, in terms of clothing, food, shelter. Um, so that, that makes sense in the human services organization. From a health perspective, you know, what are the times of the year that make a lot of sense? Um, often nonprofits in general can find other holidays, mm -hmm. spring holidays, summer holidays, where there is, you, can, you can tie your cause, uh, the mission of your organization, to some celebration of some sort and encourage people to be philanthropic. And then there's the opportunity, I believe, year-round to offer donors and prospective donors the opportunity for honor gifts. Uh, on people's birthdays or people's anniversaries or people's marriage, uh, wedding days, you know, honor gifts. Yeah. And then, um, you know, there's always the memorial gift that, that might be appealing to certain donors. Um, so think in terms of the whole year. Get a good, I would say, get a good start. And mm -hmm. if, if you're going to count on those last two months, count on them as putting you over the goal, not striving to get there but uh, have some success behind you already. And, but add one other thing, uh, the, uh, the tax situation end of year. Mm -hmm. um, for those uh, taxpayers who get tax returns, there may be some advantage to the nonprofit to think in terms of, well, how are people gonna be feeling in March and April uh, if they get a tax return, right. would that be a time to do maybe a special appeal? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So use everything you have av uh, available to you year round to uh, you know space out those special events if you're using them to fundraise. Think about when your direct mail pieces are going to drop. Think about how you're going to do e-fundraising and um, in engage all 12 months of the year. Tim, there's so much good advice in, in your answer there. And, and one of the key phrases you mentioned was seasons. And a, a couple of other things I'd like to kind of dive into in this concept of seasons. When we talk about so much of the financial giving happening at the end of the calendar year, most often we're talking about individual donors. Now there are some foundations who say, wow, we need to maybe give a little bit more now to meet our 5% payout rate. Maybe the investments did a little better than we expected and so forth. But that end of the year uh, thought is primarily with our individual donors. Perhaps in these first three or four months of a calendar year, is this a good time to maybe reach out to the foundations again? Do I have a little more space with that segment of my donor base? Well, you bring up a really important point, Bill. I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I did, in fact, focus on the individual as mm -hmm. a donor. But there, there are the foundations as donors, and there are also corporations yeah. as donors. And in terms of, of your, your year as a fundraising organization and seasons, uh, we have to be particularly cognizant of foundation giving patterns and corporate giving patterns. They make their decisions at certain times. They usually tell us when those are. Mm -hmm. and they usually tell us when the proposals have to be in, if we're going to be uh, reviewed at a certain time of the year. So, yes, absolutely pay attention. That the, the corporate giver and the foundation giver will, will dictate your timing. 
Yeah. Tim, I, I also wonder if this uh, analogy works. A, a real good friend of mine is a farmer up in the state of Michigan. Uh, and of course, uh, not a lot of growing happens in the winter months. But he says he's just as busy in the winter months preparing for the next season. He's, he's cleaning his equipment. He's learning about the new technology. He's keeping an eye on what the economic forecast might be worldwide and how that could affect his business. It's a planning time for him and a cleanup and a preparation time for him. When I think about fundraisers, I wonder, is this beginning of the year a good time to go get my training that I maybe don't have time for? Or, you know, we wanted to shop for that donor database, and wow, and at the end of the year, we just don't have time. Is this the time now? Uh, you know, and you talk so much about the importance of planning. Those meetings with donors that maybe cultivate at the end of the year gift, those don't happen tomorrow. I need to schedule those meetings in advance. How important is planning and preparation uh, early in the calendar year? Perhaps maybe a little more so than when the calendar takes off. Yeah, well, your, your analogy is a really good one in terms of the farmer who's planning during those winter months, not, not, uh, not uh, reaping the, the harvest. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I, I think you give good advice there by thinking about maybe those first three months are planning first three or four months they're, they're planning. Uh, they're putting the pieces in place that when you are ready to roll out the actual fundraising, you are prepared to do it and you're prepared to do it well. So you're ready as an organization. You know what we say in the fundraising school, it's part of institutional readiness. So you've got right. a good airtight case for support. Um, you've got some volunteers lined up beyond your board perhaps. Um, and you, you have a good calendar. You know, well, we're gonna do these things at these times. So planning is, is um, Maybe that's the way you use the beginning of the year. I, I'm perfectly uh, uh, amenable to that kind of thinking. You know, you don't have to fundraise every single month, but uh, put pieces in place that when you do want to roll out the actual fundraising, it's ready to go. It's it's the it's the plan, 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 ask. Right. You know. And and you've taught me, and you've taught the rest of us so well. Stewardship is a part of fundraising. Stewardship meaning meetings and communication we have with our donors that don't involve asking for the next gift. I can send a letter December 31st and maybe I call you up and say, are you available in February? Let's go have a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. And it's just staying in touch with our donors. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, stay in touch with your donors and, and be, be talking with them, visiting with them at times when you're not asking them yeah. for money. So there is plenty to do at the start of the year with direct fundraising, preparing to fundraise as the year goes along, planning for that special event. The golf event isn't until September, but the winter months are the time to be ready for that golf event. Your training, your internal capacity, all these things can be happening at the start of a calendar year in ways that can help you throughout that entire 12-month time period. Information from the Fundraising School is available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the Fundraising School. We have 15 courses in 15 U.S. cities. We're within a, about a five-hour drive of everybody in the continental United States. And we can also bring training directly to you anywhere in the world. We also have quarterly webinars, these weekly podcasts, many ways that we can assist you to strengthen your fundraising all on our website. I'm Bill Stanjakovich, and now you are now more up to date on this first day from the Fundraising School. Mm -hmm.